Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit CelebrationChurchLive.com. We kicked off a series last week uh, called Connected. And we've been looking, and will through the month of January, what it means to be connected to one another in the body of Christ. And I get the body of Christ kind of sounds like this little Christian, like mystical kind of thing. Um, But really, when you begin to think about it, um, since we're called to be a a, a living being in him, and and we are interconnected with one another, well, it kind of makes sense, like... Like the, a body is made up of a bunch of cells where guess what? You and I are each one of those cells in the body of Christ. And we function best when we are connected um, with one another. And that, that connectedness, let's just be honest. This is one of the biggest challenges of Christianity, of being a, of being a follower of Jesus. It's one of the hardest things. Sometimes harder than than you know, reading our Bibles and praying and some of the really important things we need to do. Um, and it's because being connected with one another, uh, we're connected with fallible individuals. And it's challenging. It's hard. And a lot of times it's just, it's painful. Over the last five to six years online and in different spaces, the, this phrase has become more and more and more prominent Um, in its use. Um, It's true and it's tragic. And it's the phrase of church hurt. And with church hurt, it's this reference to not a disappointment with God, that somehow, you know, God has not done what you had expected of him and God has failed you. Although you walk with God for any length of time and guess what? His ways are higher than our ways. And sometimes down here on our level, we can get pretty frustrated and irritated because we think God doesn't do things the way we want him to do. It's part of the process of learning to trust him. It just is. And when you hit those frustration points, it doesn't mean you're losing faith. It means you're building faith. You can lean into him in a deeper way in those places of frustration. But church hurt isn't about that. Church hurt isn't about God. It's about God's people. And that is the challenge of the, this thing of genuinely being connected and uh, you know, some of you, and uh, man, when I got into this, I got surprised by my emotion, and I'm hoping to do better in this service. And, um, but, nope. <laughs> um, some of you um, are here, and uh, you're very fresh back to church, and you had been out of church for a length of time. And the reason was church hurt. There were people, um, leaders, individuals who were less than Christ-like. And they hurt you. They hurt someone you love very deeply. And you, you pulled away uh, from the body of Christ. You pulled away from church. And, uh, um, and you, you, you came here. And I, as a pastor, I don't take that lightly. It is an honor to have you in the room again. And um, you know who you are, and I'm just saying thank you uh, for trusting us and daring to come here. And, uh, but the reason you're here is because this truth we're going to get into, the Holy Spirit doesn't let go of it. 
And even when there's church hurt and even when there's those wounds and we feel like we want to pull away from other believers and, and just church life and all of that, there's this thing that the Holy Spirit does not let go of and says, no, you're not called to try to do this alone. You are going to thrive in community. And so as we look at what we're going to lead off with today, if you got your bulletin, you got your Bible app open, however you're going to do that, that that's been our lead off idea that God created life to flourish when we're connected to others. And we're gonna look at why the enemy fights it so hard. Why you and I getting along with one another. It's, it's just, the enemy fights that so hard. And we're gonna see why it is mission critical. And that's why the enemy fights it. But, but this thing is, is we, are, we have learned how to kind of easily begin to tighten our circle Fairly well. Um, probably the by far 95% plus of us in this room have one of these little things on our person right now. Some of you are looking at it. And, and so I, I don't see you. I'm not calling you out. And so like that church hurt. I'm out of here. Pastor, pastor's a jerk. Call me out from state. I, I did not see anybody. And so, um, but we have these things, and then they, with that device, the little smarty pants machine we carry in our, in our hand, um, has this amazing camera. It's just remarkable. It just takes, they take really, really, really good pictures. And then in that, they have some features that allow us to adjust those pictures and allow us to do this thing that when I had to go to college to learn this. Okay, but you already know how to do it because it does it in your, with your little device in your pocket. It's called cropping. You all know how to crop a picture. And you take a picture and there's something that you don't like in the background, some little weird, messy thing or weird, messy person, and you just, er, nope, I'm cropping them out. I don't want them anymore. Man, back when I was in high school, if you wanted to crop somebody out of a picture, you had to get some scissors. <laughs> you gone. And so you had, to, you had to cut them out. But now you don't, you just sit there and you keep that picture that you like and you just make them go away. And you just do it real easy. You just crop them out. One, when I came and was a freshman at Angelo State in 1992, back, back in the 1900s. And, uh, and so that's what my kids tell me. Oh, yeah, you did that back in the 1900s. And there's a couple of them I say, you were born in the 1900s, smart Alec. And so, and, uh, and, uh, but yeah, I was, uh, one of my degrees is in uh, communications and it was, I took a, a class in graphics layout and design and sat in front of a computer with graphics, um, software for the first time. And the, our, our professor is walking us through this and teaching us how to crop because like I said, we had to do it with scissors. And um, so we're, we're teaching us how to crop with this computer tool. And they weren't just teaching us how to remove something we didn't want. It was doing it from an artistic perspective. And everybody had on our screen, we had a silhouette of a cat. And so and said, okay, what I'm, she said, your assignment is to make this picture as small as possible, crop this cat down as small as possible where we can still see it's a cat. And of course, you can sit there and you can take it down and then all of a sudden you make it in, and you just crop it down and you just end up with a, a, 
a black box. And so the silhouette, you just have a black box. It could be anything. That, that doesn't work. So you got to pull it out a little bit and put some of the, some of the lines, you, some of the things that define it in there. And you could just crop out the tail. Well, the tail, it could be a monkey's tail. It could be all sorts of things. So no, you need a little more than that. And so, and then you begin to look at it and kind of all of us as students ended up focusing on the head. So we end up focusing on the head and you try to just crop that cat ear and nah, can't quite tell that's just a cat. And we ended up all doing just the head. You get the, just the head, the little profile of a cat and all of us go, that's a cat. And the th- truth is, is I think the body of Christ has, has kind of begun to do this. As we know that God wants us to fellowship, we know that God wants us to connect with one another. And so, but we get so hurt and so intimidated and deal with pain and we begin to just slowly crop people out of our lives and as long as we look at the image and go yep no that still looks like fellowship look God I still have people in my life look God it's still recognizable as fellowship and we know we can go so up that it's unrecognizable but we just feel like we can just crop it oh you're gonna say that about me crop oh you vote that way crop oh that you don't like the way I worship, crop. Oh, you interpret that scripture that way, crop. And all of a sudden, we just go, you know what? I'm just going to fellowship and I can have my connection with just these people and remove so many people that we're going to spend eternity with. And God's not called us to make our lives smaller and smaller and smaller. Our instinct is to reduce the hurt. Our instinct is to do that, but God's actually called us, that love calls us to make our lives bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what he has called us to do when we get too good at cropping in. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, I pray that out of the glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. Again, we are not going to have power outside of the Holy Spirit through his spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, as we track the rest of this month together, we're going to see love is the baseline over and over and over again. Maybe rooted and established in love may have power together. May have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp How wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's a pretty remarkable statement. To be, to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. How do you know something that goes beyond Knowledge. Knowledge is things you know. So how do you know something that goes beyond? It surpasses knowledge. We actually do that on a fairly regular basis. And it's through experience. It's through experience. How on earth do you describe to someone who's never had a child what it's like? To hold your child for the very first time. For a child to be born and to be birthed and you be able to hold 
that child? How do you explain that? You can explain it on a medical level and it falls way short. You can explain it on 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 a process level and it doesn't get there. You can explain it on a on some sort of relational level, and it doesn't get there. You can explain it on a financial level, and it doesn't get there. It's one of those things, and you've all had them, where you were there, whether it was some amazing concert or, or, or some sort of experience, and you just were so excited about it, and somebody says, please tell me about it, and you try. To... Ah, you just had to be there. You just had to have experienced it. See, God doesn't want us just to get some more head knowledge of his love. He doesn't want us to have just a lot more scriptures to be able to quote, although quoting scriptures is good. He wants us to experience that. And that experience, according to this, happens through the body of Christ, through the functioning of one another together. But the thing is, is so many times we, we don't want that. It gets People crowd us in. We don't, we don't like that. We've got a project going on at our house, and uh, this week uh, we uh, had a, a trencher in our backyard. And, you know, part of San Angelo, you know, you go about six inches deep, and you just hit rock and caliche, and it, it's no fun. And uh, so, but thankfully, where, where we live, um, you can apparently go at least four and a half feet deep, and it's just wonderful dirt, and you just have feet and feet and feet of dirt. And so, and this trencher was there, and just trenching all this up and stirring up all this dirt. And I may be weird, but I love the smell of fresh turned dirt. Uh, it, I just love the way it smells. Now, I'm no old farmer. I don't like raise my own vegetables. I don't even like vegetables. And so I, it's, I don't have some sort of connection to that um, of why I would like the smell of freshly turned earth. Um, and I had thought about this before. Why is this so like nostalgic and connective for me? Um, and part of it is, is when I was a kid, I loved to dig holes. <laughs> this is the truth. Um, I loved to dig in my backyard all the time and try to make a little fort. And, and I remember when I was 10 years old, um, I decided I was just going to dig this hole. And there's nothing cooler for a 10-year-old boy than to dig a hole that he can get his whole self in. Like, just get down in there, and you can just, like, get a little cardboard box and cover yourself, and you're just down in the earth. It's like, it's like amazing. You just have your own little space. It's just absolutely awesome. And the only thing cooler than that is two holes connected with a tunnel. <laughs> that is absolute 10-year-old boy, just, bam, amazing. And so one day I did it. I dug two holes. And so I got one hole I could get myself all the way down in, six feet away. I dug me another hole, and then I dug a tunnel down under to be able to go through and go through those holes. Now, this is happening in Odessa, Texas, okay? Uh, The soil is not the best soil around, okay? Um, You don't see a whole lot of awesome crops and stuff, uh, big trees happening in Odessa. And And so it was just not good soil. But I was able to be able to do that. And I was so proud of it um, that I went and got my mom. And I was like, Mom, come out here. Come out here and look at this. And I showed her. I was like, isn't this amazing? These two holes and I've got a tunnel. And would you believe my mom was not happy about that? (laughs) Um, My mom immediately was like, fill this in right now. And I'm like, but Mom, I've got a tunnel. And she's like, have you gone through the tunnel? I'm like, yeah, a lot of times. It's amazing. And you just see her little palpitations. She's like, 
Brandon Clark, you feel this in right now. And the problem was, is in my immaturity, I did not recognize what was going on. But thankfully, someone with a mom anointing and, and some wisdom and some years could see the danger I had created for myself. See, what I didn't know is that with every scoop of dirt that I made room for myself, I was creating danger for myself. Every scoop of dirt I removed made it more dangerous for me. And I thought I was making room. I thought I was making it cozier. I thought I was making it better for me. And really, I was making it more dangerous for me every time I did that. There's this place where we have to push against the, that, that push in our hearts. We have to push against the push that wants us to push people away. Even when they're challenging, even with their heart. Because guess what percentage of people are hard to deal with? A hundred. Maybe 105. Some of you like are above average. And so, but it's just, it's just hard. It's just people are hard to deal with. But somehow God has con- called us to thrive in connectedness. And yet connectedness is challenging. It's absolutely difficult. So you and I are more when we are one than when we are alone. And I want you to go back to childhood when it was raining on your car windows and you were parked there somewhere and you saw the little rain flecks, the little specks coming down. So I'm catching on your window and they're not going anywhere. And then one little drop kind of moves over and connects with another little drop and they You can't see those two drops individually anymore. They're now one. They're a little bit bigger. And then another little drop comes along and disappears into that drop as well. And it gets a little bit. And then something amazing happens. It gets so big, it starts to move. And it starts to go along and it starts to streak along the glass. And it begins to leave this trail behind it. You can see the impact that it has had. And it's because all of a sudden, as it began to come together, instead of being individuals and they're beginning to come together, there was actually more there. That, that one was bigger than seven little ones. All of a sudden, one was bigger than two. And then so many times in our lives, we can begin to look and say, God, I, I'm here and I, I enjoy you and, and I want your, you being at work in my life. I just don't want to connect over there. And then we wonder why we never are part of the move of God, why we wonder why we never see the effects and what God can actually accomplish in our lives because we refuse to connect. We're like, no, God moves through me. And he says, no, I move through we. That's how I move. And if we'll embrace the we, you'll see that he'll make your, your me work and count. You'll make a difference. And that's where things shift. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21 Paul writes, he says, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. When we let God connect us together, all of a sudden we are becoming the habitation for his spirit in a deeper way. It's not that he doesn't indwell with us as individuals. 
But when we come together, there is a greater place of, of connectedness and a greater place of his presence. I love that when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he taught them this. And if we were just to wanted to say it all together, the, the bulk of us in this room could just say it off the, off the top of our hearts because we know it and remember it, the Lord's Prayer. And when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he's opened it up with this word. When you pray, say, our. Yeah. Our Father. Yeah, Not my Father. He is your Father, and he is my Father. But Jesus said, when you pray, you need to have a consciousness about you. That you are part of something bigger than you. Why? Because most of the time you're praying, you're praying about something that's outside of you. You're like, God, my father, I want to talk to you about one of your kids. <laughs> and he's like, no, you're going to say our father. Because guess what? We're all in this stuff together. And he's like, when you pray, you open it up. Our father, our father who is in heaven. Praise be your name. Jesus made sure this idea of connectedness was weaved into every part of how we grow in our relationship with God. Let's look at Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20. And here this is Jesus is, is again uh, teaching his disciples. He says, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Here's this place of prayer of agreement. This is why we have prayer partners come forward for prayer. Because maybe you're here and you don't know anybody who would pray with you. You don't know anybody who would take it seriously that God might do something in your life. But guess what? You don't have to know the people are up here. Just know they're going to agree with you. They believe God wants to move. They believe that God is real and God is what changed things in our lives. And you can come up here and you can follow this scripture where two or more being able to pray and touch and ask and believe God. You can walk in obedience to that space just with coming up here and being a part with the, with the prayer teams. But hopefully you have somebody in your life. Hopefully it's a best friend. Hopefully it's a spouse. Hopefully it's a family member who you can go to and pray through things together. But there's this place where even in this, this idea that we're praying to God, our Father in heaven, there a lot of times with the big issues of life, we need to be including that with others. That's why we give you an opportunity to fill out prayer requests for our prayer team. So you're not praying through that space alone. But that's not where it stops. And there in verse 20, Jesus continues to say, he said, for where two or three are gathered connected they're seeing one another are gathered in my name there i am with them now he's everywhere okay we know god's omnipresent but there is a special presence when the god's people gather now this is worded really funny and it's kind of seems like you know is jesus like just kind of figuring this out as he's talking you know he says where two or three What's, what's up with this? Why is Jesus doing this? Is it, you know, two is good sometimes, but sometimes y'all need a third because y'all are kind of wimpy Christians and y'all need to like get some extra help. And so um, if two of you are solid, you're okay. But, you know, some of you are kind of weak. And I, no, that's, that's, that's not remotely it at 
is at all. The, the prior thing says two are praying together, okay? Um, but here, this idea of gathering and connectiveness says we're two or three. So I talked to my pastor years ago about this, and, and he said, uh, okay, Brandon, we're just going to let the, the Scripture interpret Scripture. And we know that it's not arbitrary. It's not two or three. God's like, okay, yeah, two's not. I'm not, I'm not doing twos today, just threes today. And so he's like, it's not arbitrary. So why would Jesus say where two or three are gathered? I said, Brandon, when is two, according to the scriptures, one? And according, in marriage. In marriage. In the scriptures, the scriptures say that the two become one. And so there's this place where maybe that two is a married couple. Well, guess what? They need to be willing to connect and invite somebody else into this place of struggle, of prayer request, of of gathering. Because the tendency can be, say, no, honey, we don't need anybody else. It's you and I, and, and we'll pray together with God, and it's okay. We can just do church just like this. And Jesus says, no. No, you need to be vulnerable and invite somebody else into that space if it's just two unrelated people sure but if there's a married couple no you need there are times especially married couples you need to get a third party involved just to keep from calling the police you need to get a third party involved (laughs) they may you may get a third party whether you wanted it or not and some of them will pray with you um but that's, it is so incredibly vital. See, when Jesus prayed for you and I, he prayed that we would be one. We're going to look at John chapter 17, and this is an absolutely incredible moment. Because Jesus has been praying since his longest prayer that's recorded here in John 17. And he's prayed for his disciples. He's prayed for things. And now he's about to pray for us. Yes, right here in 2023, Jesus is praying for us. Let's look at it. Verse 20 says, my prayer is not for them alone. Talking about his disciples who he'd been praying for. It says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. All these years, thousands of years later, thousands of miles away, you and I have believed because of the message that the disciples had carried forward, the gospel. This is us. He's, he's praying for us. He says, I through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus could have prayed for a lot of things, that they would be powerful proclaimers of the gospel so that people will believe that you sent me. I was praying. That's what I was praying. But Jesus was praying. He has more wisdom than me, praise God. He's like, he could have prayed for all sorts of things. Could have prayed for boldness. Could have prayed for all sorts of different things. But what did he pray for? He prayed for unity. And he says in this place of unity, of this connectiveness, of, of us genuinely loving one another, then the world will believe that Jesus actually came. How is this kind of a hinge pin of that? How does this all of a sudden that us actually like loving one another and being kind and supportive of one another? And how does that show the world that Jesus actually came? Well, guess what? There was lots of different religions when Jesus was praying this. And just more and more and more popped up. More and more and more popped up. And Jesus knows how we're built. 
We all have a God-shaped hole within us. We all are longing and people are searching and looking. Maybe you're here this morning searching and looking. You haven't bought into Jesus, but you're darkening this doorstep because you're searching and looking. And guess what? He wants you to find him. He's made it known. And there are people who are looking and they're like, well, what do I believe? How, I, how do I figure out which one of these is right? You know what would be a shining beacon that something was actually different? If there was the, the miracle of a group of people, broken people actually loved one another and cared about one another. All of a sudden that would go, "Woo! something's different about that one. Anybody can build a slick building. Anybody can give a good TED talk and, and And anybody can do this thing, but it's a miracle if a group of people who are diverse and different and individuals actually love one another and support one another and have each other's back. That's a miracle. And that's a miracle I want to be a part of. God did something in that space. It's not about religion. It's not about all that. It's about the love of God being expressed through his people. And that's why Jesus prayed for it. That's the one thing he prayed for for you and I. And that's the thing that's fought against The hardest, the hardest. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. I love that Jesus recognizes we're not there yet. Then we be brought to complete unity. You don't ask something to be brought that's already there. It only needs to be brought if it's not there yet. And so Jesus gets it. So there's not a bunch of condemnation. This isn't a place of saying, oh, you, you've messed it up. You've done it wrong for so long. I, Brandon's done it wrong for so long. No, it's that we're, let's embrace this prayer, this, be, this being brought to complete unity. And just say, God, I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of that. I know it's hard. I know it's challenging. I know I'm challenging. But Lord, I, I want to be a part of that prayer being answered. Because why? Because then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And people see that they're going to believe that Jesus was sent and that God loves them. So if those are the critical things to believe in Jesus was sent, because you have to believe that what he had accomplished so you can step up from death to life and believe that God loves you, if, if unity with us is the linchpin to this, if that's what kind of promotes this and helps this move forward in a broken world, then doesn't it make sense that the enemy would fight it so hard? He fights it so hard. So hard. Why? Because we get a win here, we get all the wins. We get all the wins. We get the win here, all the wins come with it. It all comes with it. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. He said, Paul writes, as a prisoner for the, for the Lord, then I urge you, To live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Paul understands it's going to require some effort. This isn't easy. Unity isn't easy. Staying connected with one another isn't easy. Why? Because we're hard to deal with. We're challenging we're hard, but guess what? God understands that, so he gives us some help. It's called the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit alive on the inside of us, speaking to us, coaching us towards one another and growing his fruit in our lives. Growing his fruit, fruit of the Spirit is love. Understand that's the baseline. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. The Holy Spirit is giving these things. Can we maybe do life together if there's some more gentleness with one another? Could we maybe, if there was some more kindness in our responses, walk in a deeper level of unity? If there was some more patience, could that change the way you and I connect with one another? I think so. So here we are, we have the Holy Spirit who's at work trying to produce this fruit that helps us to walk in this unity. It looks like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all on the same page here. Looks like they're all working together, that the Holy Spirit is empowering us to be able to be an answer to the prayer of Jesus to the Father. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. As we close in this morning, let's go ahead and look at John 17, 24. It says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. He loves you. He wants you there with him. You were created for God's presence. And to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. In order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. He's going to continue to make him known. That's why we want to grow in knowing God better, trusting him more. See, the love you and I have for each other is what will make the most impact on others. John 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you so that you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another probably noticed I've said you and I a lot today. There's been a lot spoken about you and I. This carries us into our bottom line this morning. That unity allows you and I to reveal him. But it takes you and I in a place of walking in unity. And that begins It begins with us all being on the same page, that God was in Christ reconciling the world, reconciling you to himself, that he's done the work and you get the benefit. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.